Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, there is something about the Stampeder story that I just love. From the name Stampeder, just crashing the gates, to the power trio attitude, the band seemed to really exemplify the dogged, maybe even underdog attitude that many Canadian bands take on. Uh, but Sweet City Woman took the country by storm. Number one in Canada and number eight in the U.S. in 1971. The song lifted the band out of their broken down car and into the mainstream. And the original members seem to have kept that spirit, just fighting determinedly, touring and making records. And I definitely see that spirit in so many Canadian bands. The matinee being no exception. That old school ethos of get in the van, get to the gig, and play as hard as you can. So this was a great chat between Kim Meyer of the Stampeders and Matt Lazell and Matt Rose of the matinee. You can feel that unspoken bond that exists between musicians who make touring a big part of their career. There's a certain kindred spirit of adventure that lives in anyone who decides they want to go on the road. Matt and they have new music out right now that you can find on all streaming platforms. And keep an eye on both the matineemusic.com and the stampeters.com as I know both bands are going to be playing live at the first opportunity they can get. So please enjoy Kim Meyer and the Matinee on the Push Button Radio podcast. Mr. Rose. Mr. Rose. There he is. The Matinee. I've got you guys here live in front of me. Well, we've got uh, yourself here. Thanks for well, thanks yeah. for joining us. Well, no, it's a pleasure, and I really, I'm, I'm, I'm so, um, I'm glad that you know somebody reached out. I guess Joseph and um, and uh, uh, introduced me to you guys. Uh, so I, I clicked on the links, you know, and I watched one video, and hey, these guys are pretty good. And then I watched the, uh, I watched the uh, uh, acoustic thing from the uh, Found and Freed. Oh yeah, yeah. And I loved that. I loved that. I thought I thought that was just superb. But I ended up watching like half a dozen of your videos. I watched what I could find, and I really, uh, I think you guys are a, a wonderful band, and I'm I'm so glad that I've uh, found out about you. Well, that that Found and Freed show that was that was our last, if you want to call it a show. That was the last time we all really played together over a year ago now, which is crazy wow. to think. Oh yeah, isn't uh. it? I mean. Um, you know, uh, me and the Stampeders were uh, on a stage in uh, uh, Ontario at a festival with April Wine and Chilliwack uh, yeah. on the on the August long weekend of 2019, and haven't seen each other since. Ah, uh, that's yeah. Actually, I mean, because we did back. I mean, it wasn't uh, wasn't last spring, but the last uh, festival show we did was with April Wine out in uh, Fort Langley as well, and it was the first time mm-hmm. we played with them, but. Uh, I got talking to Brian uh, Greenwood because my, mm-hmm. my father grew up with him. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> first time yeah. I met him, but, but it was, it was, it was great seeing, uh, seeing them and just thinking of being on a festival stage. It just seems like a foreign idea right now. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I guess the, the good thing about getting older is that, is that that time is moving faster uh, perceptually <laughs> And uh, as a result, you've probably been off for twice as long as we have, at oh. least in our in our sense. But uh, you know, I wonder. Um, uh, uh, we may play some summer gigs in uh, uh, Saskatchewan, and nice. um, and hopefully they'll go and because uh, they're outside, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking that they probably will. Uh, but you know, we don't. Uh, we live across the country. Uh, Richards in Toronto and Ronnie in Calgary, and I'm in the in Vernon. And oh, nice. um, and so we're not going to be, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's unlikely that we'll arrange a rehearsal before we show up on stage. So um, you just have to count on how deeply ingrained the set is in <laughs> your body, right? It's true. It's true. But I mean, the, the songs are a part of you now, I'm sure. I mean, they are. Oh, yeah. We, no. Well, if they're not, there's no hope. We we've got a lot of that muscle memory. Or we I should say we rely on that muscle memory more often yeah. than not these days. Yeah. So listen, um, you're just coming into focus. Are you the vocalist? 
I, Is that yeah, Puck? I'm, okay. I'm, I'm Matt uh, Lazel. I'm, I'm vocals. And, uh, and we got Matt Rose here as well. Okay. Now, now who's who, like, what are your instruments that you're, that, that, that of you guys that I'm talking to here? Well, Matt, yeah, Matt's our singer oh, yeah. and part-time ukulele aficionado. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, I've, I've grew, grown up as, as a guitar player when I was younger, obviously, as most people do, but it's transitioned into a lot of um, more folky yeah. kind of rootsy instruments. I play like mandolin, pedal steel, some banjo, and, you know, we incorporate a fair bit of that into our yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. I, I really love the, um, uh, the, uh, I was out on a theater stage or in a studio or something when you were in basically in a circle around with, you had the carpets and you had some women singing with you. And, uh, oh, yeah. and you, oh, yeah. that was, that was a lovely event. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Oh, cool. Well, and, I mean, and, uh, yeah, I just, I'm very, you know, you guys are going to be my favorite band. I think I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I really, and, and I, I saw from the, you know, the age of some of the videos that you've been around for a good long time. So, well, uh, I mean, we've, we started the band, we grew up, uh, all together we did high school together everybody in the group and uh, started this project 2007 so yeah it's been it's been a lot of years touring for us not we don't have the same uh, tenure that you guys do but oh, uh, you, you 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 can <laughs> if you can if you've been together what have you been together like i saw something that said nine years ago is that uh well, 2007. It, so, uh, okay. Now. That's a lot uh, longer. That's you're like 14 years, 14 years. Yeah. yeah. But we, we all grew up together. So we've been oh, putting wow. up with, putting up with each other for a lot longer. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so you've, uh, you've learned how to diffuse various situations. That's great. Yeah, diffuse is one tactic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we often, uh, we often laugh about it saying, you know, the, the hardest part about, being in a band is just being in the band. That's actually the hardest part. Yeah. So keeping it together. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we, we didn't necessarily keep it together. I mean, the Stampeders were uh, basically apart for 13 years wow. and we've been back together for like 28 years or something, <laughs> which is longer than the first round. Uh, but um, uh, and that was an interesting thing. We had to kind of rebuild the career from the ground up. We had a, a fan base, but it was fairly small. And um, and so over the past 25 years, we've uh, uh, rebuilt to the point where we're filling up theaters, you know, which yeah. is a, it's a cool place to be. Well, I'm I mean, sure when, the, when the songs are uh, are timeless, though, you know, because we've we've seen it, some of the the bands we've had the opportunity to, to play mm-hmm. with at the festivals when you those songs are timeless it doesn't matter you've still got young kids who are even mm-hmm. if they're hearing it for the first time it has an impact yeah so, it, 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 which was a real uh, uh discovery basically when we used to we used to call call our music disposable art we figured it would be like <laughs> big lighters you know here today and in the trash tomorrow but uh i guess it never turns out that way you know uh, uh, people love the music of their um of their teen years. It's the most, uh, it's, it's the time of your life. I think when music is most important, if you're not a musician. Yeah. 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 Who were some of your, um, like your closest contemporaries, would you say when you guys were starting to break on the scene, Stampeders and even before that, like you mentioned the Chilliwacks and some of the, the yeah. guys that we know and obviously have heard of. Yeah. Were those a lot of the acts that back in the day, you guys were kind of working your way up the ladder with? Well, exactly. Um, the, the whole Canadian music business uh, uh, um, it, it basically started in the early 1970s. There were no real touring Canadian bands before that in Canada. I mean, uh, there was a guy named Bobby Curtolo had who had pop hits in the 60s, and uh, and uh, but he spent most of his time working in Las Vegas, that kind of thing. And and yeah. so, uh, but a guy in a guy out of Montreal, a promoter who ran shows at the Montreal Forum, so he was bringing in the big acts, but he wanted to promote nationally and his name was Donald K. Donald and um, and his idea and the Stampeders and April Wine and Lighthouse um, Chilliwack was actually a few years earlier than us they uh, uh, but I never did hear about them touring I don't uh, there was there was no a national um, I mean you could go across the country but it would would have been de- dealing with many many different people and Donald K Donald put it all together and uh, we would tour in the maritimes for uh, uh, the springtime and then uh, in the summertime we'd do Ontario and in the autumn we'd come we'd go out west and that was the same it was the same route that April Wine did and Lighthouse and we were the three 
we were all together. We were all breaking out at roughly the same time. The Stampeders had the first big song with Sweet City Woman, and then uh, then April Wine, and then Lighthouse, and um, and so we were all getting a lot of radio play in Canada. Everybody knew us, and um, and we were able to do these um, national tours, and that went on for years. Were those were those first tours? Were they were they van tours, bus tours? What were? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they were they were. Um, I guess depending on the band. I mean, we uh, we were a trio, we were, you know, yeah. and so uh, you know the 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 fundamental unit, right? A rhythm section with some singers, and uh, and um, so we could fit in a car, and there were no oh, minivans, right? The, you know, yeah, you, could get, you could get a kind of custom made little bus or something, but um, the minivan had hadn't crossed anybody's <laughs> mind at that point, and um, and so basically we would uh, we would do almost like we do now, like we fly to, uh, uh, yeah. you know, we're going to be in a region. We would fly to the region. We were all living in Toronto then and, um, and then rent a car and off we'd go. And we had a truck and we had roadies who drove everywhere. Right. So yeah. we had our, we had our, our truck and our three guys and that was it. Talk about compact and, and efficient. <laughs> I mean, uh, three band members, three crew guys, uh, light sound and monitor and the monitor guy of course was my drum tech and he was he was everybody's tech but uh, yeah uh, uh he learned my uh he learned my kit very well and uh, and so i had i could just walk out and sit down oh that's great <laughs> and it was all there yeah so that was a very um uh a heady time you know we were yeah. busy we were working a lot and in between doing the canadian tours we would go down and uh and open shows for various american bands in in, uh, in the u.s and stuff like that so um, yeah, it was, uh, uh, so it was a good time until it wasn't, you know, where, where does, where does, uh, tell us the story of old smoker. Where does that fit? Oh in God. Here? Okay. Now here's the thing. So the Stampeders, uh, you know, it takes somebody with a vision to, to, uh, to, to become a band and to actually take the leap of faith that it takes. And we were in Calgary and we, uh, we had a manager by the name of Mel Shaw who had a vision and he, was the one who convinced us that it was in fact possible to be successful as a musician and have a life as a musician and be a rock star. And, um, and so there were six guys in the band at the time. There were the three of us that are uh, currently make up the band and, and two older brothers. These guys were all, my brother was six years older. Ronnie's brother was seven years older. And, uh, and then, and then a, uh, another friend uh, on bass who was uh, their age. So six guys, and um, and there was an agent in Toronto who decided he would like to have a national agency. I mean, we're talking about wagon train days here as far as the music business goes. <laughs> and, um, and and so he came out west. Uh, you know, Mel got, got hold of him. He came out west uh, to see us. And he uh, decided, yeah, I said, I'll bring you guys and I'll arrange dates for you in Ontario for the summer. And that was the summer of 1966. And uh, And so... Uh, we had no band car or anything. We really collectively had maybe one car between us. My older brother had a car because he had a job. Yeah. And um, uh, so we bought from um, Imperial Oil uh, a Cadillac limousine, a 1957 Cadillac limousine. But I think I think they made up the story of it coming from Imperial Oil because it was deep purple inside. So I'd say it was a funeral car. Right? <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so, it, you know, big, big front seat, big back seat and two jump seats that faced the wrong way, which I spent an eternity in because I'm the smallest guy in the band. And so I always got a jump seat. I know and, that uh, feeling. I know that feeling. <laughs> I've been crammed in the back with the gear a few times. Oh uh, yeah. I've driven <laughs> hundreds of miles with a bass drum in my lap. <laughs> <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, so anyway, we drive this car, we get it, we get a U-Haul trailer and we throw everything in it and we're going to Ontario and we have a date in Lethbridge, Alberta to start. And then another date in Saskatoon. And then we're just going to head East and uh, on the drive to Lethbridge. And this is the first time we've taken the car out for any kind of length at all and drive to Lethbridge. Oh, there's exhaust fumes. What's going on? The car smells bad. right? And then, uh, but we thought nothing of it we had no money to do anything about it anyway so we drove to saskatoon and that was a long haul from lethbridge to saskatoon and and we started to get headaches and the exhaust was coming into the car and we didn't know what the deal was well what it was was of course there was a hole in the muffler uh the car had winter tires on it with studded tires oh, okay man. this is in this is in the end of june and 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 the uh, uh 
the top of the wheel wells in the back seat were completely rusted out. They were like, I don't know, a couple of feet and about two inches wide of nothing but rust. And so these tires were taking that leaking exhaust and just forcing it up <laughs> into the back seat. So we drove to Saskatoon with literally heads hanging out the window. The manager, here's what we had. We had our manager, his wife, and two little children in the front seat. And he was driving. And so he put the window up in the limousine so his family was okay. And uh, and we were uh, we were all sitting in the back seat, six of us at the time, right? Just just dying. And um, but we had no time to stop and fix this thing. And we drove all the way to Ontario with with a car like that. And we drove nonstop. We didn't we didn't oh, have wow. money for a hotel or anything. We drove from Saskatoon to North Bay, Ontario. And and when we arrived, when we got uh, we, we, you know, we're, we're going to be late. It's a Monday night. We're supposed to start in North Bay. And, uh, and uh, I had visions of like an Elvis movie. I'd heard this place is a resort. You know, this is, this is, uh, this is going to be great. And I was just before my 18th birthday and we're, uh, we're, we phoned to let them know we we're going to be a bit late. We'd probably arrive right around starting time. And, and, uh, okay, that's cool. And, uh, and, uh, and and then uh, it was an Ontario heat wave, late June, and uh, gets got hotter then than it does these days, I think. And anyway, started a pour, torrential downpour. We were literally, we had coffee cups, we were bailing out the back seat because those same tires that forced the exhaust in were just pumping water in at a hell of a rate. We had two to three inches of water in the back seat of the car that we were bailing out the windows. And yeah, so it earned the name Old Smoker. And we uh, managed to keep it... Um, we managed to keep it until one day uh, uh, when we were uh, we had some a gig in Ottawa, and it was a winter day, and we couldn't find a hotel to stay at. So we uh, we pulled in front of an older downtown hotel that had a drive, uh, uh, you, you know, a driveway in front of the door, and the the front wheel fell off. It <laughs> fell off, not just the tire; the entire wheel just broke and clank. We were right there. And that's where that's where it died. We had it towed and put and put down, and took the bus back to or the train back to Toronto after that oh. after that game. So you know, it's an, an initiation to the uh, realities of the road. Yeah, I mean, Matt and I uh, could tell you our our first tour, the van that we had, we rented it for I don't know what we rented it for, eight nine hundred bucks, and it uh, it caught on fire. Uh, <laughs> We're Huntsville. Was that right, Matt? We were in Huntsville, Ontario. Yeah, you know, yeah. Tuesday night at, you know, 11 o'clock. Nothing's open, obviously. And uh, we were en route to Thunder Bay. We never made it there. That was, uh, we spent a few days in, in Huntsville trying to get that repaired. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been through, I think we've been through, this is our fifth van we're on now. We've been through mm -hmm. five because we've never been able to afford a, a brand new vehicle, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know the deal. I I think your van was in one of the videos. Uh, I, yeah, I one of one of yeah. them for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more. And I, but, actually, uh, that one's caused us a lot of headaches, and that's the one we spent the most money on. Yeah, it is, well, <laughs> it's had a long rest. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't usually serve a van well. Come to think of it, but uh, no. Yeah, I wish you well with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you know, and and uh, that was life. We spent five years uh, uh, grinding it out and. In the clubs of Ontario, uh, eastern townships of Quebec, upstate New York, and um, but you know, um, it was it was six nights a week, and you even if you have no talent, you're gonna you're gonna get fairly good when you have yeah. to do it over and over again six nights a week. So it had great value, and um, and I didn't you know I was not a big fan of playing in the clubs. I had it. I had my. I was told I was going to be a rock star, and I was wondering why the hell it wasn't happening, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, I got tired of uh, Richard, the guitar player, uh, leering at me um, uh, for for getting lazy. I I you know, get so tired, and I wanted to get out of there. And I I just I I know I'd start to bog down, and I'd get these evil looks. And and I had a, I, I I changed my I I just I took a complete mental change. Uh, instead of being pissed off with it, I thought I, I treated I literally treated it as an opportunity. I took to writing up the sets and. Because we were one of those bands, we were so new at it that we would we didn't have a set list. We would just between songs discuss what we were going to do next, which uh, doesn't make for the hottest show, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I, I took on those uh, those responsibilities, and uh, I ended up being the 
for all those years, I was, uh, you know, I handled the money. Uh, I, if we needed some other transportation, I arranged it, all that stuff. So um, I guess I was the band leader for that, that yeah, period of time. It's, it's interesting how you all kind of, you do have to take on other roles in the band. So you all kind yeah. of find, you find where you can contribute to, outside of the music as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you live and, and, uh, and, and, you know, we, we spent everything we could, we lived on, on nothing. We always had the manager. He always uh, came up with a lot of promotion. He was always, uh, he did it himself. He had a, a little uh, a knife and a letter set and stuff like which is, which was letters and designs that you would cut out, you would buy and cut out and stick on a page. And then you had your, your master and that's how we made posters and everything in the early days. And so we spent money on that and we, we uh, recorded anything, anytime we had an opportunity to get in any kind of studio, we got in and uh, recorded something, you know? And uh, so we had lots of records out even in the late sixties. We even got a deal with MGM in New York in 1968, six guys in the band. And, uh, wow. and, and we all went down to New York for three weeks, recorded in a couple of different studios uh, uh, for the first week, they put us up in a nice hotel and then they put us in a dive <laughs> for the rest, for the other two. You got to earn uh, these ones. <laughs> you do. But it yeah. was uh, uh, a hell of an adventure and we actually made some uh, decent records there. Nothing took off, but, you know, it's it's all building. You guys seem to me to have a really, really nice uh, collective going there. Uh, I, I don't know if it's always, it, it's, you know, and looking at the video is not always just uh you guys you've got other singers and other musicians that you can use which i think is a wonderful thing well i mean and, I, uh, I think i think you'd probably i i mean i've we've watched a lot of the the video footage that you guys collected over the years and oh yeah you no know, it's it is fun to bring in you know more than just the core group when you're performing live because you want the live show to to be an experience in it in itself yeah so yeah we've we've done that quite a bit i mean we're a we're a four piece but Often when we're live, we're six piece. Sometimes we we bring in extra people on stage as well, and it's uh, it just makes for a for an exciting show, and it changes it up. We don't get bored of doing the same thing every night. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, and and you're when you that I think that's more of a, a modern approach. When the Stampeders had you, you know you've seen videos videos of us with a bigger band, but that was the band at that time. Yeah. We decided uh, you know things we. We, we sales slope. They do that. You know, your career goes up and, and it doesn't stay there. It, it, it's like a sine wave. And, and, uh, and so I started to dip. So we thought that we'd uh, beef up the band. Ronnie who's the bass player. is uh, a, uh, he wanted to be funky. He loved R and B and he loved, yeah. he loved funk. And so, uh, and so, uh, and I wanted to be down front singing and strutting my stuff. So we got, a second drummer that was the start of it and uh, and he had a good funky foot and uh, i learned how to be a, a good funky drummer from him and i also got to go down down front and uh, and be a rock star yeah uh, and then you know it expanded we got to experiment with different uh, different horn players and things like that and and uh, but the magic was in the trio yeah. and that's what we've we're kind of back around to that after all these years and uh, well, and the and the blend of voices too, because that's that's yeah. something so so key is uh, just that blend of voices. Yeah, which uh, which you guys, uh, uh, you and your uh, rhythm guitar player, have uh, a, a wonderful blend. You're a really good singer. Oh, well, wow. I, I really I really enjoyed your voice. I find it very. Uh, uh, you, you, you got killer pitch, which is something I've always struggled with. Oh, and, and 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 oh, you, you, you're going to say no, I don't. <laughs> no, I was going to say yeah, I, I I get some look. Well, we all get looks on stage. Oh, sure. so yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but um, how, uh, how would you guys? Uh, how would you guys uh, prep for shows? Would you do a bunch of vocal warm ups? Like, how did you uh, prepare in that regards? No, we we actually never did that and um uh, i think it just never occurred to us yeah and um uh i'd heard about you know somebody uh, uh working uh at one of the production big productions in montreal they'd done the eagles and they said they, they sat in the dressing room and sang for like 
45 yeah. minutes before they took the stage. And I thought, hmm, that seems like a good idea. But well, yeah, with, with our band, the other two guys are too busy eating. <laughs> yeah, I swear to you, I like, you know, being the drummer and everything, I, I even just, I, I even, I couldn't do it no matter what. I could, I cannot eat. I need a couple of hours after a meal before I want to go on the stage. At least I've seen my two partners, you know, we gorge. Sometimes if there's yeah. like a banquet in the dressing room and, and we haven't eaten all day and it's, and we're late showing up. This is well, they will just sit down and eat everything in sight. And I, I can't do that. And they go on and they seem to be okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I can't sing. Uh, I can't sing, sing having just eaten. I need to starve myself until, you know, midnight when I finally get to eat the leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that, Matt? I was going to say you touched on it, Kim, but like what, like for the band and yourself personally growing up, what got you in or what was the music you guys were listening to that, that you all were drawing inspiration from, or that was kind of, you know, the root of your guys' sound? Yeah. Um, well, it was the radio. You know, I mean, and what was on the radio, and I was living in Calgary, so it was not, it was not, um, it was not New York, you know, or, or Toronto. They didn't have an all day long uh, uh, pop station or anything like that. So, so you listen to the the shows and you, you listen to the top, the top 40. And, um, and at the time, I mean, uh, when, when I first started to pretend, I, you know, I, I, I built my own little set of drums at first out of what all kids do pots and pants and stuff and uh, and uh, i was listening to um uh like all the phil specter you know, the ronettes and all that stuff because uh, there was some neat drumming on there a lot of <laughs> things that uh, that impressed me and that i wanted to copy and then the beatles broke well you know and i thought that was um that was well that would have been 63 or something like that and um so i was just i was just starting to drum and that got everybody's attention we, you know i, I can't I didn't never met anybody who who didn't love the Beatles uh, and um, and the music was so creative. It was so new. It was so wonderful and fresh that uh, I think they were the main uh, stimulant. I saw the Beatles. I saw their last tour when we, when we first got to Toronto. Um, that uh, was the year, the last tour, it was the year that John Lennon had said the Beatles are more popular than Jesus. And that got him in just loads of trouble all through the South. They were burning Beatle albums and stuff. And, uh, and, and that made for, they had booked two shows at Maple Leaf Gardens and they had about, they, they didn't sell out. They had uh, lots of seats left over. So we got tickets to see the Beatles for $6 each. Now we're up in the gray seats up really high. Um, but uh, imagine seeing the Beatles for six dollars, and the expensive seats were twenty dollars back then. But, uh, but um, they came out on stage. They had two voice of the theaters. Do you remember them? They were a great. They came from movie theaters. They were a great big, uh, maybe an eighteen-inch speaker and a horn, and they had two of those on each side of the stage, which lasted about. You know, you could hear the opening. I can't remember who opened for them, but uh, somebody did, and and. Uh, and uh, you could kind of hear that. But as soon as the Beatles arrived on stage, uh, the only audible sound was the snare drum. You could hear the whack of that. You could hear a din of bass and a rumble of music. And the, and, uh, but the rest was just shrieking. And, and, uh, and uh, endlessly, uh, it was the age of the little Instamatic camera. You won't remember these, but they were little. They literally came in a cardboard box. And they, there were a few bucks, and you got 24 uh, 24 photographs on them and they had they had a little uh revolving uh, flashbulb that would uh, keep going off and so every kid in the audience had one of these and they just took pictures all night long even though they were just taking pictures of the heads of the row in front of them uh so this this explosion of flashbulbs that just went for the whole 20 or 25 minutes that the beatles spent on the stage and um uh and then screaming and uh, and it was electrifying. <laughs> yeah, I bet. You know, I thought, oh, I want to do that. So, and, um, so where does where does Ringo as a drummer? Where does Ringo sit on your uh, on your all time list? Then, well, um, a very significant place actually, because I learned so many Beatles songs, and and uh, and Ringo, Ringo kind of. De develop that consistent boom, 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 boom. You know, he would, that's what was the base of all the early, early songs. And it was so clear 
I mean, it was up in the mix, and you could hear that. And uh, and and the uh, and the swish hi hat, slightly opened hi hat that just just made uh, uh, made a lot of noise. Uh, so so uh, you know, these things became my basic uh, go to spot as a drummer. And then I would you know learn. Uh, I remember when Sunshine Your Love came out, and uh, and uh, 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 the the, uh, the 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 downbeat was on the snare drum. Oh, well, fuck, that was that was a mind warp. I had to work on that for a while. <laughs> but yeah, all that stuff, and um, uh, and it was you know the the '60s, the late '60s were amazing for for the. Uh, um, the freshness of the music it was all this new stuff was coming in the moody blues had a different thing i got to really really got into them i loved cat stevens for his uh folkiness and and um and his lyrics and you know the sound of his voice and all that stuff and it was just uh uh it was it was a pretty damn good time to be uh, uh to be to be really into music and, and be a young musician well, and then you guys obviously you got to go and experience Europe as well because you, yes, yes, you guys yeah. found an audience there. I mean, what what was that like? I mean, going to Europe and and seeing these crowds that uh, you know for the well, first it was, time. Well, it was Europe was an eye opener, and it, it turned us more into a rock band than a pop band. You know, uh, Sweet City Woman was a bit of an anomaly. We, anomaly. We didn't really have a lot of songs like that, but. Uh, you know, I'm very grateful <laughs> that it came up. But when we went to Europe, um, we were we hadn't broken out big over there, but we had, and we had different record labels in in various countries. Uh, and uh, so we were. It was promotional, and we were meeting all these uh, people for the first time. And um, and and London was fantastic because it was the home. I think the paparazzi had already gotten their foot and gear there and i had never seen anything like it they brought us out and they presented us uh, the record company uh, at a press conference and there were uh, you know there were like dozens of cameras going all the time and um uh, uh and we were we were well received dick the dave clark five had covered sweet city woman and kind of kept us off the charts in england though <laughs> But um, yeah, and then and then and then uh, Germany. Uh, we played in Germany with a. Uh, we opened for a band called Steamhammer, and they were uh, they were all Americans, but they were living in Germany and they'd become uh, real popular in Germany. And and in Germany, it was so different. I mean, the most of the venues were theaters, but they had no seats, so they were just a sloped floor, and people would sit on them, uh, and they wouldn't do anything. Like they did not get up and dance. They didn't go wild. They didn't. They didn't cheer wildly. And Steamhammer, you know. So we're out doing our poppy rocky thing, and they don't seem to give a shit. And then Steamhammer comes on, and they're they were, uh, they were heavy and 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 uh, kind of ponderous. You know, there there was like kind of a uh, drone with variations, and. Uh, and they, the audience did not go wild for them either, but they they seemed to be suited to to the audience more than the audience to the band because uh, they were maybe they were just all really stoned. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> likely, it was this that was the seventies. Yeah. Did Did you have a favorite city in Europe, or do you have a favorite city in Europe? Uh, well, I really liked Amsterdam. Yeah. You know, it was uh, even then it was a very uh, free place. You never saw police in Amsterdam. That was the thing that uh, that I made a note of. You know, in Paris, you'd see cops. They'd always be paired, right? The gendarmes on the beat or whatever. Uh, but in Holland, uh, very few. Didn't see police cars cruising. Didn't see a lot of guys on foot or anything like that. And it was it was nice. Well, I've lost your. Oh. Oh, there you go. There, yeah, there you're back. Yeah, um, yeah. We uh, we we also uh, know that you you guys uh, won obviously several Junos. That's something we've mm-hmm. we've we've still been trying to get nominated for one. We're not we're not at that point yet. But uh, what what was that like? I guess when you guys because the Junos Junos they, were new. They, they were new, and they were well, just almost, getting yeah, televised, they, I, right? I think we had maybe got maybe the third or fourth year. Um, you see, it was a fascinating time because the government basically was very helpful in creating the Canadian music business, right? They did 
mandate that you had to pay play 30, 30% Canadian content, which sent the radio stations into an uproar and protests. And even the record stores didn't like the idea, you know. And um, uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, it worked. And, 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 and so they played the music and much to the surprise of all these radio people, uh, people liked it. They are all under the assumption that that, that um, Canadian talent just wasn't on the same level as the Americans and the Brits, and uh, and so uh, uh, you know they've been proven wrong, haven't they? <laughs> but uh, but there was a huge amount of resistance to it, and the funny thing was I resisted it because uh, I, I was actually quite conservative as a young as a young guy. I didn't I was really late. I didn't want to grow my hair too long, too fast, and. Uh, and I didn't want to jump right in on the hippie thing. And um, uh, uh, and I didn't want the government interfering with me making it on my own. And, uh, you know, if I were going to go to New York, well, I'll go to New York. I don't want, don't want to get propped up by the government. But after they brought in the regulations and we got on the radio really quickly, it didn't, uh, didn't take long for me to change my mind. Yeah, do, you, do you, I mean, do you remember that feeling of hearing... Your, your songs on the radio for the first time? Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah, the very first time, actually, was uh, our uh, Carry Me had come out. Yeah, that was our first release on in, in the new age, you know, in the age of, of, uh, of must play. So they had, there wasn't much to, to play. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, bands who had records out that, uh, that the radio could latch on to. So they latched on to uh, Carry Me. And, uh, and we were uh, uh, driving with... Um, uh, a promotion man from Quality Records uh, to London, Ontario, uh, to to do some promotion and listening to Chum, which was the big Toronto station, and and Carry Me came on, and uh, it was very, very, very exciting. But then a couple of weeks later, or a month later, or so, I mean, they played, they played it, they gave it a good long run, and it got charted and everything. But the uh, the program director uh, at Chum uh, uh, was interviewed by the uh, music writer in the Toronto Star, and he said, "Well, you know." He said, there's a lot of music that we are playing now that we wouldn't play. He says, I take, for instance, the Stampeders Carry Me. That's not the song that we normally would add to our list. So, uh, uh, you know, God, we were pretty offended by that. And Mel, the manager, phoned him up and said, you know, the guy's feelings were really hurt. And, he, oh, Christ, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Look, how about I take you guys out for lunch? And so, uh, so. He took us for lunch uh, across the street from Chum at a restaurant, and and uh, and he was a very nice fella, and and um, and you know we let him know that we understood what was going on, but we still were really happy for the play and all that, and and then we released Sweet City Woman, and it went to number one on Chum, so that was uh, uh, so you know it just it all came around. We've taken so much beer and gifts to all the radio stations on our radio visits, and never seems to. Uh, never seems to help it's you know it's hard winning them over sometimes but. well and it's a whole day so much has changed like in in through the late 60s and even the early 70s um all the radio stations did not belong to a few chains and uh, and a lot of them were literally independently owned and you could go in and talk to the owner talk to the jocks play your music they'd interview you and, and you'd get some play. And, you know, we never managed to get a big hit record, but we were getting spotty play all around and everything helps. You're trying to build a career. If people hear your name, um, they, that's, they may come and see you when you come to town. And um, uh, so, it's so it's so different. It's just so different. The whole gig scene, everything is uh, radically changed. And um, so I'm, you know, I'm glad I was there then because uh, I do think it, Maybe it was easier. You know, there was a lot more work. The Toronto Musicians Union had 50,000 working members because every bar everywhere had a band. Now, the pay was, you know, well, fuck the pay. When I think about the, the pay rate that musicians have uh, uh, ascended to over the years, they haven't. I mean, of the, the Stampeders, the, the standard going rate for a band for six nights in a bar in Ontario was 600 bucks a week in 1966. And so you're looking at like 35 or 3,600 bucks a week. Now, bands aren't getting that now. First of all, nobody's playing for a week. And, and secondly, if they are, 
you know, if you're walking out of there uh, with a hundred bucks each for a, for a gig, you're, you're doing okay. Unless, unless the name is building, you know, in which case you can get uh, a bit of money. And I hope you guys are getting more money. Oh. Like I, I really hadn't heard your name until this came up, uh, but I haven't looked and I'm not in, you know, I'm not in the business and I'm not paying attention to what's going on at all anymore. But I think, uh, uh, number one, I think you're, whatever you're doing, you're making these really great videos and which is what you have to do now. Uh, and, and, um, and you're talking to me, which is an interesting thing because nobody uh, else has phoned me up and said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to talk? So, um, uh, well, we'll, we'll take all the advice we can get. Uh, <laughs> spe- speaking of, uh, with, with sweet city woman, the, the song, um, I mean, I'm just thinking so many unconventional licks in that song. I mean, and elements like the banjo, uh-huh. yeah. the scat, the the vocal round in French. I mean, all these ideas just, you know, seem counterintuitive to a radio hit. And yet it, it worked. And yet it was and yet it was a big hit. That's that's totally so. Uh, the banjo was an afterthought that was in the studio. Either Ronnie or Rich, they still argue about it to this day. Who thought of <laughs> we rented a banjo and tuned it like a guitar because nobody played the banjo. And, um, and, uh, and uh, uh, when we, we went to L.A. when the song was, was hot, and we played the whiskey, right? And uh, David Clayton Thomas came out. And he was front in blood, sweat, and tears. And we had met him. He was the first big name that then, you know, in Toronto, he was a big name long before he went to L.A. He always had the best band called the Boss Man, and they were, right? They were a big, tough band. And uh, so he came out to see us at this little club we were playing, and we all bounced off the stage. This is the six-piece band. After to ask him what he thought, and he says, "Well, boys," he says, "I think you, uh, I think you all should go down to uh, go down to see Ronnie Hawkins' band, and and then fly back to Calgary." And uh, like I said, my take was uh, he thinks we could f- afford to fly. I mean, this is um, things are looking up. But he came out to uh, to to see us at the whiskey, and he said, "Man, I just I love that song." He said, "Love that jazzy." That's my favorite part. I can't wait to hear that. And so we're uh, we're playing the song, and uh, and uh, and we get to that part, and Richard breaks the string, and and so he doesn't have the guitar, and he's all fucked up, and it's horrible. And David wasn't there when we got off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but right. yeah, adventures and misadventures, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. I uh, I can't believe how uh, vivid a memory you have of some of these these events and these shows and these meetings and stuff. That's great. Did you keep any kind of journal along the way or were you just fortunate to be able to? No, they, 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 I've been, I've been called the band elephant in that I, you know, I always uh, have had a fairly, uh, well, I retain things. <laughs> now it's, it's starting to slip, but um did you retain but, any of the uh, the Western suits that you guys used to wear? No, no. That's the one thing. I'm not a souvenir guy, right? I mean, I had, I had, I bought, I bought a gold album, one of my own gold albums off of a, off of a, not eBay, but, but an online sales site. Um, because uh, I had, I had put them all, I got fed up. Things were, when the band went downhill and, uh, you know, things, I, I took my Juno Award, which looked like a table leg. It was a, was a kind of a wooden obelisk with a plaque on it, right? And uh, I took that, and I took uh, my Teen Magazine award, and I took all the gold albums, and I put them in a cardboard box, and I put them out for the garbage. No, and, uh, no, yeah, I did, no. I did. And the kid next, the kids next door, there was a large family of like what six kids next door, and like three of them banging on the door like, instantly. Are you throwing those away? Yeah. Could we have them? Sure. <laughs> oh man! And so they continued to exist. They didn't end up just in the in the crusher in the in the garbage truck. And so I ended up buying one back. I paid eighty bucks for it or something. <laughs> it's a little worse for the wear. Got some water damage and stuff, but uh, it's kind of fun to have. And that's my only. Um, uh, uh, that's all I all I have from the past. And know those outfits. I, I think they probably just molded away. Oh, because we yeah. would go days, we would go for days without cleaning these things and, and sweat them up. And they, they would be, I remember when we, when we did the Saskatoon show on the way down, six guys in the band, we took all our outfits off and they're still wet from the night. And we put them in garbage bags all together and put them in the trailer in the U-Haul and then took them out 
two and a half days later when we got to North Bay and put them on. <laughs> and they were oh. still wet. Wet and frozen. <laughs> wet and wet with ma- major salt stains in the armpits. You know, it's a, uh, you got to be young. We would have all of our shirts uh, kind of stuck in the windows. So driving down the highway, they would <laughs> kind of get an air breeze airing them out a bit. And, oh, ah, yes. Yeah. The things only musicians think about, right? That, that yeah, they, they think thinks. they think it's so glamorous. But <laughs> I, I, I got to weigh in and say your guys' album title, Sure, sure Beats Working, is one of the best, <laughs> best album titles I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that was our... Uh, that was when we thought we could. Uh, 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 That's when, like the the uh, the new country thing was happening in late '90s, I guess. Yeah, and that was uh, so we uh, we thought we could uh, join that uh, crowd, but that it didn't uh, it didn't it didn't work. We didn't have any uh, successful songs on an album. Well, it's a good album, although uh, I had to play. Uh, I played a set of uh, early E drums, and uh, it was awful. They were like. They were. It was like playing on uh, just box of wood with a piece of rubber put on them, and and uh, so that was that was uh, pretty horrible. Um, well, look, looking at your uh, your backdrop now, are you like? Is that kind of a studio you? This is now? my. You, this is my. Yeah, yeah. I'm keeping I'm still, keeping active on the recording front, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I go go to Bandcamp. Go to Kimberly Four. Dot Bandcamp. Dot com, and and I've okay. got a couple of pieces up there that are definitely more recent not with the stampeders but with you know uh, other friends i've uh, I, i've always stayed active i i i I, uh, I played in a local band when when i was living in west Kelowna, which was before coming to Varen. i've been in the okanagan since 2011 oh that's beautiful and, uh, yeah and uh, and uh, lived in west Kelowna. I lived in asuyus and then west Kelowna and now Varen. so uh, uh my, uh my brother and uh and sister-in-law are in um well cold stream just literally oh, sure Outside, well, I'm literally, so. I'm, I'm, I'm like uh, 300 feet from the Cold Stream town line. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Up, on, up on Middleton Mountain, it's called. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. It's beautiful yeah. up there. We've been meaning to come up at least a couple times this year, but it's always been shut down due to all the pandemic travels and whatnot. Sure. So. Well, yeah, everything is. Yeah. So oh, well, you know, we've got to get through. You guys vaccinated yet? Probably not. You're too young. Yeah, I've, I've got my first one. Yeah. Yeah. How'd yeah. you get yours already? I, I've got to wait too. <laughs> good. Yeah. That there's a good looking scale that you didn't quite make it on to get that first uh, effect. You must, oh, you you must have some, uh, <laughs> health, you have some health risks that. Uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. So Kim, uh, you've, you've, you've lived in BC, uh, Alberta and, uh, well, Calgary and Toronto. I take it. Uh, and Moose Jaw. And Moose Jaw. So yeah, well, are, yeah. are you a Leafs, Flames or Canucks fan? <laughs> well, if the Leafs ever make the Stanley Cup, I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 but yeah, I was, I was in Toronto the longest. I lived for almost 30 years in Toronto. Yeah. It's uh, the longest I've ever lived anywhere. And, um, uh, so I still, I've still, I've still got a soft spot for the the the, the poor maple leaves. And uh, um, now I hear they're uh, on top of this their division or the northern division or something in this in this bizarre hockey season. So you know this could be the year. I'll watch. It's, it's the new original six season. That's what it is this year. Is that what it is? See, I haven't been paying well, a whole lot of attention at all. <laughs> just just the Canadian teams playing each other. Yeah, it's uh, ah it's been okay. interesting. Yeah. Well, then, no wonder they're on top. <laughs> well, I, the, the one thing I, I, I saw is uh, you guys, you managed to have one of the songs placed, I just saw this on online, in one of uh, the Better Call Saul episodes. Did, oh, did yeah, you know yeah, that? right. I did. That's, that's I one of my it. favorite shows. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, great. It's absolutely great. Yeah, no, I saw the episode. Uh, my wife and I uh, watched that. It's been a long gap. I, I hear that there's a new season, but uh, it's not on Netflix yet or not somewhere uh, that I subscribe to. I can't yeah. afford to subscribe to every bloody. Uh... Oh, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. So you, you see where your music ends up. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Right. Is so. there uh, is there any anything new coming out that you are digging into or any any bands? Not, not even super recent, but. Anything that's really, uh, you know, making you turn your head when you're listening to any of these new bands that are up and coming or established acts? Well, I, uh, um, what I see mostly is uh, is uh, uh, 
I watch the Grammys and I watch the Junos and I watch late night television because I can watch it at 8:30 for my you know the timeshare thing from the east so I can so I always I, that's how I that's how I see most of the new entertainment and um I like I like a lot I like a lot I like the new music I I I find I I, I there's I have serious radio in the car and and so you know you can listen to music by decades and it's a very interesting thing to do listen to the uh, the 50s the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s the one decade that i didn't care much just the sound of the production and was the 80s uh, the 90s got better again the 80s was designed it sounded i think they 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 produced music for boom boxes because they were all the thing in the 80s right everybody had a was carting around one of those, but anyway, I, yeah, I've liked, um, you, you know, I like Billie Eilish, and I like, uh, oh, I like a, I like a lot. I like a lot of artists whose names I don't even remember now, but, uh, but uh, uh, there's always going to be a ton of great music. But I like, you know, I, 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 about you guys, I, I, better than your produced videos and your studio stuff, which is good. But when you guys are live, there's something uh, quite. Um, that appeals to me a lot more and maybe that's because i just uh, uh i love real playing and i i i am kind of annoyed by by uh, auto-tuning and um and um and everything everything that's marketable today is so slick it's you know there are no flaws errors nobody picks up tempo or slows down or um, it's just, it's, it's just really, really, really tight music and kind of gets a little boring sometimes. That's, uh, and then, I want to hear some humanity in my music. And then people expect that when they see it live and that, that's not really, uh, I don't know, it, it's not real. So there's, there's less of a connection I find when, when well, you see I, it live. I, I think I probably agree with that. I've never yeah. not seen, I, I haven't been to any of the big uh, big shows of uh, modern acts uh, because they are shows. That's the other thing. I mean, uh, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and and I, you still can today. You can do what you guys are doing. You can show up on stage and play and, and you know, you entertain. You're lively and everything. But you don't need like 12 dancers and, 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 and an amazing light show and shit like that. I mean, we were we were into all that stuff. I mean, I did a uh, they did it. We did a tour in the U.S. with Mountain. Do you remember Mountain, Mississippi Queen? And they had a, a Canadian drummer named Corky Lang, and and uh, and and uh, and he did a fire drum solo. He would light two mallets on fire and do this solo. And he was, you know, they were a hard band, and 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 he worked hard, and he had a roadie behind him who would feed him oxygen. He had an oxygen tank. He'd perk right up. <laughs> And go at it again, but uh, so I, I I stole that idea and we brought it back to Canada, and um, and the downside of that is it melts your drum heads, and uh, so but as it happened right at that time there was uh, Evans came out with a double thickness head that, that had an oil in between them, and uh, so uh, I bought like a gross of these heads. I had a set of fives drums, the first clear drums in the country. And, and uh, I had a big kit, you know, double bass, all the stuff, all the shtick, all the stuff. And, um, and, um, and I would burn through the top head every night. So we'd be changing, but I could still come back and play the rest of the set. And uh, so we'd uh, uh, do this. Uh, we'd, uh, the roadie was uh, forever changing drum heads, but yeah, it's, um, you ever, it was, uh, you know, have you ever tried doing a tally on how many drumsticks you figure you've uh, you've gone through in your career? Well, I used, used to buy them <laughs> by the gross too. Uh, those, those were the good old days. But uh, yeah, I developed. Uh, I'm I'm a much I, <laughs> developing more finesse in my old age. I mean, I, I uh, we we toured with a band, an American band that was really big in the South called Black Oak, Arkansas, and uh, so they were they were like they had four guitars and and a, and a powerful powerful drummer and a, and a guy named jim dandy who who was kind of a david lee roth type of guy with his belly pants on and 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 uh and uh, and and in a, a rough voice like a, you know he was not a singer per se as so much as a as a growler but this drummer just blew me away he was so powerful so i i basically copped his muscle style and went with that for quite a while and uh, but you know you you i've given that up 
but that, that is something that, uh, that you, you know, you, you take, well, I don't think you take for granted. You, you, you appreciate when you're, when you're touring, when you're, you're playing night after night with other bands, you are learning tricks of the trade. Oh yeah. That's, oh hell yeah. Yeah. That's we've learned so much by, uh, you know, just watching the sets of the bands we've played with over the years yeah. and going to see shows. You just, you yeah. know, how can we incorporate that into what we do? And, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, without spending too much. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. What, what can we rip? What can we rip off without people know, knowing we're ripping it yeah. off? <laughs> oh, and the things is Black Oak, Arkansas. They used to do kind of the who thing with it, but they would just smash guitars. They'd wind up their set by getting a couple guitars feeding back, and and two guitar players would swing them around, and then they would smack them together, and these four guitars would. Uh, would uh, howl and clank and die on the floor, except that then the roadies would put these things back together. They didn't have to be playable. They only had to be swingable and and uh, the pickups had to still work in order to make a lot of noise. Uh, we never did get into that. That just seemed too stupid. And yeah, we, we just can't afford it. <laughs> no, no, we could never afford it at any point. That was, uh, that was too much, but, uh, but yeah, you know, that's the nature of the game. Well, this has been awesome. I can't, uh, I hope when the time comes, obviously we're going to share our version of the song with, uh, with yourself and please sit, share it with the rest of the guys. I, I, I've so. heard, I, I listened to your sweet city woman. It's really oh. good. I'd heard it before. That's the oh, interesting okay. thing. I had heard it before and I don't know what brought it to my attention before, but I think somebody might've sent it to me and, uh, you know, I've heard a couple of different cover takes and, uh, I really liked that one. That was awesome. really good. And, but Thank you guys you. are, you're, you're a good band. You're a really good band. And I, I uh, uh, really appreciate what you're doing. And I hope that you are uh, uh, rewarded well, uh, financially my... somewhere along the line. <laughs> yeah. Well, when this, when this, uh, this year kind of blows past, let's all hit the road and uh, take, yeah, take the show. We will there. Be. We're waiting well, on, we're supposed to have 30 dates in Ontario in uh, mid-October, starting in mid-October. So I got my fingers crossed. That's good. Uh, we we will we'll meet in Toronto and rehearse for that. Oh, that's that's amazing. Good for you guys yeah. for for still doing it. Oh yeah, and we're you know and we're it's all soft seaters. We're 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 uh, we're into comfort now. The show starts at seven. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. In yeah. bed by nine thirty. Perfect. People get their glass of wine and and we have a we have an intermission and uh, do two sets and we're and we're off. We're we're back at the hotel by eleven o'clock. We. we, we we found our calling when we started playing some of the wineries out here in BC. Oh you know, yes, a, absolutely. A, a, yeah. dusk, a dusk show, you get fed and you get to stay at the winery. I mean, that, that's perfect. You're, you're all, uh, you're all rested for the next day. <laughs> if, yeah. we could do, if we could do those every night, that would be uh, that'd be great. Oh, if, if only, yes. If only. <laughs> yes. Somehow we managed, even the, the shows that finish early, we managed to stay up way too late anyway so uh yeah but you're you're still not old enough yet i mean I, I when we used to tour the same type of tours in the early days but it would be arenas mostly right uh the, we played arenas from coast to coast and and uh and and we we wouldn't come on till nine we wouldn't get out we wouldn't be back at the hotel till midnight and then we'd just party all night you know we'd play games we i, I used to buy as the, the guy in charge of the the cash when it was especially in the springtime when, when it was uh, uh NHL playoff season, we had those those board hockey games, you know, that you play. Uh, that uh, and and so uh, we would wreck three or four of those on a on a three week tour. Uh, uh, but we would be would be up all night. And went to my room at daylight almost constantly, and it was always in the road manager's room. The poor bugger, I don't know how he, I don't know how he lived through. <laughs> That's the most thankless job in the world as a tour manager. <laughs> yeah. Up first to bed, last oh, and having yeah. to deal with a bunch of idiots along the way you know it well yeah, here's, to, here's to tour managers yeah exactly right. yeah i i mean i i don't know uh if uh, if uh we've got much time left but i i i just say thanks kim for uh sharing some of those stories with us and uh really Plus, you know, it's, yeah and i i really appreciate it getting to hear you guys and uh, getting to chat with you and uh i you know i'd like to meet you one of these days so should you come this way um uh joseph has my my email now he's uh, the label that you're with right is that right uh yeah it's the label that the the song is out on yeah that's correct oh okay okay so i take it from that that you're not actually uh, signed <laughs> to anyone you are free agents at the moment are you we we were with the label for uh, for many years and, yeah. and fulfilled our duties and and they uh, lost too much money on us and they said, <laughs> uh, see you guys later <laughs>
yeah, well, it's hard to make any money in the music business. Uh, but if you do, uh, you know, it could shift from, well, it, actually, it doesn't all come at once anyway. There's very little money to be made off recorded music now. As you hear, I'm sure you guys are totally on top of all of that. Um, and it's, uh, uh, it's concerts. Now yeah. that can that can get lucrative, but um, uh, you know, don't get too many hands in the pot. That's yeah, all. yeah. You know, well, you that's, know, here, that's the tough thing. Hearing you're just even talking about your road stories and us reminiscing on ours, it's you know, the money's great and whatever. If it comes, it comes. But some of the experiences you have that no oh, yeah. one else, no one else that's in any right. of these. Uh, these That's other right. jobs in the world are, are having these kind of experiences. And there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's something about those that it's worth, it's worth a ton. Just to, Oh, hell to yeah. Those, You've got so. stories. And yeah. it's a brotherhood. You know, I mean, we, we all relate to each other because we're all basically doing the same thing. And, and, and we have this common love, and, which is, I think, the, the most significant thing of all. You're, you're doing what you want to do. And, but, uh, but and that's, that's worth that's worth a lot, especially when you you know when you're sitting at seventy two looking back, you go, oh, I did what I wanted. <laughs> but ultimately, uh, I think you you mentioned uh, you saw your success when you stripped it down to a three piece. So Matt, we just need to figure out uh, which of us who did, is who expendable. Did dump. <laughs> <laughs> it might be might be me. So I gotta I gotta stay in everyone's good books. <laughs> Indeed. Nah, uh, you guys will be uh, the Beatles were four. Don't forget that. That's yeah. true. Well, Joseph, yeah. I guess I'll we'll throw to you. Is this no? This is great. I want to thank. Oh, there is Joseph. Okay, how you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your time and your your stories with us, Kim and Matt. And Matt, thanks for hopping on and doing this. It's just been a treat. Oh, for sure. Any, yeah, well, any, no, I've, I've, uh, I've absolutely uh, enjoyed it. Enjoyed meeting you guys, talking to you, and and getting. Uh, and I also I'll, I'll 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 be watching for you. I'll pay attention. I'll check stuff out. And, uh, and Joseph, you can send me stuff anytime. Uh, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kim. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.